Welcome to the Nashville Vineyard Podcast. For more information, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have a great day. It's a really low-key Sunday, isn't it? It's, it's, uh, we have a thing called Simple Sunday, and uh, every first Sunday of the month, we take a break from the band and from communion and all of that, and we just uh, pair it back a little bit, and uh, it's one of my favorite times. So we're going get, to uh, get started here in just a minute and, uh, and get things ready. Hey, I'm not sure if you've got uh, one of these. Uh, if, hopefully you had one when, they, when you came in. Uh, we're starting a series today uh, that we're going to be using these. These are a gift to you. This is a devotional guide that you can take home. And, uh, and we'll be walking through this uh, from now until Christmas and maybe uh, a couple weeks after um, but we're using the theme of uh, inbreaking the kingdom come at Christmas uh, during this Advent season. And, uh, and so if you didn't get one of these um, and, and you want one, you can raise your hand and, and we'll bring one to you. You didn't get one? Okay, so can we get a couple of people to bring some of these to, uh, to some of our folks here? Great. And, uh, and these are great. Uh, they've got uh, devotional guides inside of them uh, that you can take with you. Uh, through Advent, I, I don't know if you if you're if you're familiar with Advent. Uh, if if you grew up like like I grew up, I wasn't familiar with Advent. Uh, Advent is a uh, it's a church calendar tradition that's been carried uh, for a couple thousand years, and uh, and so every year the first uh, four Sundays leading to Christmas has been historically called Advent. Uh, now I grew up in sort of a uh, um, you know, a, a Pentecostal church, and we didn't really do those kind of traditions. We, we had our other traditions that we would do. Um, but Advent is, is sort of a new thing for me. It may be a new thing for you. Uh, and, uh, and the interesting thing about Advent is that I know what I'm preaching on um, this Sunday in five years. But it's really cool that the Holy Spirit can still tell us what's relevant for that particular Sunday and how that theme, because the Advent themes uh, remain constant. We're going to talk about hope this week and peace uh, next week and then joy and then love. And those themes remain constant, but uh, the tension that I really love about what we're doing here when we're, we're keeping one hand on the ancient and we have one hand sort of reaching towards the future, uh, towards the kingdom come, is that we can rely on the ancient calendar and the Holy Spirit and he seems to sync it up. And, uh, and he's greater than, uh, than our limitations. So it's been a lot of fun uh, as we've woven this throughout our church history. This is our second Christmas as a church. And, uh, and we did this last year, and it was so much fun. And it really makes Christmas uh, more than just a day or a couple days. It, it helps us to carry the Christmas theme uh, for, for the entire month. Uh, which is a lot of fun, and, uh, and so we've really began to suck the life out of Christmas at my house. Uh, we started decorating uh, basically Thanksgiving Day night. We were just like, okay, now we can get this Christmas stuff on, and, uh, and so that weekend we decorated the house, and we've been uh, pumping Christmas music uh, throughout our house and our cars um, at nauseum. Uh, the uh, since since actually before Thanksgiving. Now we we follow the uh, like the serious XM holiday radio schedule. If they start playing it, then we're okay to start playing it. Apparently, uh, 
Um, and the interesting thing about Christmas songs is there's really about six of them. And then everyone does different variations. And so by the time uh, Christmas has come and gone, we've listened to the same six songs potentially a million times uh, in just different variations. It's great. Uh, but I do like the, the Christian church aspect of Christmas and, and the expectancy that's there. Um, Advent, if, if you're not familiar with it, essentially means like it's like a marking of, of an event. It's a, it's a breaking through. It's a notable time where, where notable things happened. And so, obviously, what, what is notable about this season that we're celebrating is the birth of our Savior. And so this, this year, we're taking a bent on Advent, and we're saying, you know, what does Advent look like in regards to the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God coming uh, literally in the person of Jesus Christ on Christmas? And so we're, we're looking through that, and so we're, we're going to have scriptures that we're reading through and and um, I know even Natalie has created a kid's Christmas uh, Advent guide. If you'd like that, we can get that to you as well. So you can do that devotional uh, with your children. But it, it's just an, it's a special time that we can sort of all get on the same page and, and expectantly look towards Christmas. And it becomes more than just maybe the traditions that we've had since growing up. It becomes sort of this ancient future tension uh, that I really enjoy. Uh, so, so I invite you to join us in, on this journey of Advent. And uh, if this is your first time celebrating Advent, I really hope that you, you sort of at least gain a new respect for, for the, the holidays. And, and, and from a biblical point of view, it's just so much fun. So uh, we're, we're going to start today uh, with our scripture. It's, it's on the screen. And uh, it's also in uh, their sermon guide here. And, and the scripture is in Luke. And it's, it's chapter 1, verse uh, 42 through 45. And, and this, this week's theme, this Sunday's theme, is hope and the power of hope in regards to the inbreaking of Christ and the kingdom of God um, in our lives. And so we're, we're going to take a moment and, and read this. And it says that in a loud voice, she, and she being Elizabeth, exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you'll bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Father, we just thank you so much for the gift of your son. We thank you for this time that we can reflect and we can lean into hope and that we can begin to, to hope for you. Lord, would you give us greater revelation today of your word and what you're saying to us in light of where we are right now. And it's in your name we pray these things, Jesus. Amen. So just a quick background on this story, if, if you're unfamiliar with it. Uh, this is Elizabeth. Elizabeth is, is carrying, currently she's pregnant in this story with a child of promise. She's, she's pregnant with John the Baptist. And we're going to learn more about John the more we read through the Gospels and later on. And and, and an angel came to her and to her husband and said, you're, you're going to, to have a child. And uh, she was barren for, for a long time and, and believed to not have uh, the ability to carry a child to term. And, and there's some shame that comes with that in the culture. I mean, you're only as good in that culture as sort of a patriarchal culture as your ability to, to produce more, really, men. And so there was a, an element of shame that rested on her and her husband about this issue. And 
And they were, they were well in age, it says, and, and, and all of a sudden she's bearing, she's, she's holding this promised child. And you've got to understand that that's got to be a pretty incredible thing. She can't even talk to her husband about it. He's been struck mute because he didn't believe uh, the angel that came and, and told her. So she's just carrying this promise inside of her. And, and so then her cousin comes, I think, and, and she, she comes in uh, to the room. And when she comes in, she's also carrying the child of promise. And, and when those two promises connect, there is rejoicing in the wombs. And, and so that's the stage we're setting uh, with Elizabeth here. And so Elizabeth is then overcome by the Holy Spirit that, that's resting not just uh, on Mary, but on her as well, that, that, is, that is birthing uh, these promises to them. And she begins to, to sort of prophetically proclaim uh, a blessing. And a blessing over Mary, a blessing over the child. She, she has this understanding that is obviously not from her, that this is my Lord, that, she, that Mary is carrying my Lord. And Mary hasn't even told her the story yet as far as the text tells us. And so the Holy Spirit rests on her and she, just like the, the prophets of the Old Testament, are overcome by the Spirit and begin to prophesy. And so she prophetically proclaims who is the baby in Mary's womb. And she says there's a blessing on those that believe that they'll see the fulfillment of the Lord's promises. And so what, what we have to understand is that, is that as we're talking about hope, this same blessing, this same idea is, is, is correlated here as well, where, where when you have hope and the power of hope, there, there is a blessing that will rest on your life as the hope you have is really the belief of the fulfillment of the Lord's promises that he has for you. So the word hope defined is essentially, it's an expectation of a fulfillment of something. And biblically, the word hope then would be the expectation of the fulfillment of God's promises. And here in this case, we see that, that blessed are you, that believe, that have hope of the fulfillment of the Lord's promises. It's, it's the Lord's promises that will fuel us through the times of trouble. And it's the promises of God that we have to hope in. And we have to understand that when we come to God's promises, that we see those in the face of our circumstances, in the face of our problems, and we actually then begin to hope in the fulfillment of God's word. Christ was the fulfillment of, of a lot of promises throughout scripture. And, and this moment marks a fulfillment of, of a historical promise that, that had been given since the fall of man. That one day there would be another. And one day the Lord would begin to restore and reclaim. See, see this is, we can't separate the story of Christmas from the idea of the kingdom of God. And the idea of the kingdom of God is that, is that there are two kingdoms. There's two rulers at play here. And, and when we fell in the garden, we handed our authority that the Lord had given us over to Satan. And then Satan became, as Jesus calls him, the ruler of the age. And, and he, he had his own kingdom at play. And over and over again throughout the Old Testament, the Lord gives promises of one day that kingdom is going to fall. And one day he's going to establish his throne again on the earth. Now, his rulership and his authority was never in question. But, 
because of, of what we did when we handed our authority over to the enemy, then he had authority. We see this when he's tempting Jesus, right? When the enemy is in the desert and he's tempting Jesus and he, and he basically tempts him with authority. And Jesus doesn't correct him and say, well, you don't really have authority. He, he, he seems to say, well, that's not how this is going to play out. That's not how I'm going to gain the authority back. And so Jesus came on the scene in the form of a person, in the form of a baby, as a fulfillment of the promise that the Lord was going to regain his rightful place. He was going to take back the authority of the enemy. That's why John tells us that Christ came to, to destroy the works of the evil one. And so when we're thinking in light of Advent, in light of Christmas, we have to see this as this cosmic stake in the ground that the Lord is, is burying that says this is the beginning of the end of the rulership of the kingdom of darkness. And so from Christ's birth on, he began to inaugurate, to establish the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. It's his prayer that his kingdom come here. It's already there, and it's already fully authoritative there. And what his prayer for us is, would your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven? And that began with the birth of Jesus. And so the hope that we have to have is hope in the promises that we see in the Savior. See, hope in our promises. Promises are, are a fuel for us as believers. And if you, if you are a believer today, then you have a certain amount of promises sort of in your bank account. And those promises are there for you regardless of what's going on. And typically what we tend to believe is that the, the situations, the circumstances, the problems will actually work to negate those promises. And so in other words, when we have a promise from God, what we begin to do is we begin to stack that up with how does life look right now. And if life doesn't look like the promises that God has spoken over our lives, then we'll typically weigh those promises and, and maybe believe in life over the promises of God. But see, what we're to do is we're to have hope. We're to have hope in the fulfillment of the promise of the Lord. See, the Lord is faithful to fulfill his promises. Christ's birth is an example to us of his faithfulness to fulfill his promises. And all of his promises culminate in the person and works of Jesus Christ. And so Christmas is a time that we begin to step into to remember the promises of God and we begin to believe again. It, it makes me think about uh, this story in Mark chapter 4. Uh, and I think we're going to have it on the screen here. Um, it's this story, and you probably know it, and, and, and Jesus and the disciples are, are going to get in a boat. They're going to go across uh, the sea and, and set up camp somewhere else. And so before they get to the boat, Jesus says, we're going to go to the other side, prepare the boat, we'll get there. The disciples get on the boat. Jesus gets on the boat. Jesus falls asleep immediately. And then, like this ginormous storm comes, a storm that's so crazy that these weathered career fishermen begin to fear for their lives. And, and they're so fearful that they wake Jesus up with an accusation that says, don't you even care? Don't you care about us? Don't you see we're about to die? And Jesus stands up and, and he calms the sea and he speaks peace. 
And then he turns to him and he says something poignant. He says, he says where's your faith? And it's an interesting question, but the question is faith in what? It's faith in the promise. He already said we're getting to the other side. That was the promise. Before they got in the boat, Jesus said, we're going to the other side. We're going to make it. And the storm came, and they began to doubt the promise. They began to put more authority, more agreement, more weight in the storm than they did in the promise. And that's what we do, right? I mean, we know the promises of God, and we're going to go through some of those in a minute, but we'll see those promises, and then we'll see the storm, and then we'll begin to doubt whether or not those promises are really going to be fulfilled. And just like the disciples, we'll begin to cry out to God and say, don't you even care? Don't you even care about this? And what God is saying that you have to understand is that when you see a problem, you need to understand there's a promise right behind it. And as we begin to have our, our minds renewed, which is what Paul tells us we're supposed to have, as we begin to put on the mind of Christ and start to think about life the way that Jesus sees life, we'll start to understand that when there's a problem, there's a promise. And when there's a promise, the promise always trumps the problem. And it's our hope in that that carries us to the other side, so to speak. It's an interesting order of operations. I just, usually if, I, if there's a text, I try to read a couple chapters before, a couple chapters later, just to kind of get some perspective on what's going on. And, and a couple chapters before, actually just one, in chapter three of Mark here, Jesus calls the disciples to him. They were disciples yet. And he gives them the authority to heal the sick, cast out demons, preach the good news that he's been preaching. He says, preach my gospel. He commissions them, gives them authority, sends them to do it. Now, it's literally a couple days, according to the text, from that point to this point. And here are the disciples. It's really maybe potentially one of their first really big chances that they can begin to walk in that. Whenever there's a storm that happens, you have the opportunity to give your peace to it. And what you have to do is you have to understand that when you begin to, to diminish the promise and, and elevate the problem, it's hard to give peace from that place. The only way that Jesus could speak peace is if he had peace. And so we, we need to begin to look at the promises of God, to believe in their fulfillment, to have hope in them, so that when problems come, and they'll come, when life comes, then what we can do is we can weigh them against the promises. And we can live then from a point of victory as opposed to a point of defeat or potential defeat. And that's the key of hope. So I, I just real quick, there's, there's promises that I found in the scripture that I'd like for us to read through. Just, there's a lot of them, but I just picked a few. So we look at Isaiah 40, 29. It says, he, this is God, gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. It goes on to say in 41.13, For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. Isaiah 54.17, No weapon forged against you shall prevail, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication for me, declares the Lord. Deuteronomy 31.8, The Lord himself 
goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. John 8, 36 says, So if the Son sets you free, freedom is there indeed. Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, Therefore I, that's Jesus speaking, tells you, Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Psalms 34, 17, the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. Philippians 4, 19, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Those promises will be fulfilled. His word does not return void, and when he speaks a promise, and those promises are for you, they're for me, they're for us, when he speaks those promises, those promises, it's a done deal. And, and what we do over and over again, we, me, all of us, we, we decrease the weight of those promises proportioned to the, to the fear of the storm. And what we're supposed to do, what would help us, is that we begin to actually weigh the problems against the promises and understand that the bigger the problem is, the greater the promise fulfillment is going to be. So in other words, a redeemed mind would see a problem and maybe get a little excited because a promise is on the way. And, and, and here's the deal. Understand, as people of the kingdom of God, we live in a tension. The kingdom hasn't come in fullness yet. So we may not see the fulfillment of some of these promises in this brief vapor of life, but we hold fast to the idea that his promises will be fulfilled and ultimately we'll be able to live in victory. If we're in Christ and Christ is in us, then Christ is victorious already. On the cross he said it is finished and he meant it. And we know that in the end he comes back and he will win. And he already has one, and so we get to share in his victory now if we abide in him and he is abiding in us. And so the key to continue to walk in the face of cancer, to continue to walk in the face of death, to continue to walk in the face of looming bankruptcy, in the face of divorce, in the face of fill-in-the-blank, the key to be able to walk in that is to have more hope in the fulfillment of the promise than hope in the fulfillment of the enemy. There will be a winner. And you have to understand that until you settle that in your mind and in your heart, every time a storm comes, you'll come into an agreement with the storm as opposed with the promise. And whatever you come into agreement with is what you empower. We also believe the Lord speaks to us now. So there's capital P promises and there's lowercase p promises. And when you get a word from the Lord from someone, maybe in ministry, or maybe you feel like you've received a word from the Lord, a prophetic word, a, a word of knowledge that, that is meant to encourage, to build up, to edify, when you receive those and you weigh those, those lowercase p promises are also there for you to begin to hang on to, to give you hope. It's a lifeline. And a good practice as we continue to go through is, is to remind ourselves of both the capital P promises and the lowercase p promises. I would keep 
uh, a journal, uh, uh, a voice memo, um, something where you can go through and, and you can look at the promises of God over your life, both from the word and then from a trusted friend that may have been praying for you that gets a, a word from the Lord that seems for you. And when you face the trials, then what you do is you strengthen yourself, you remind yourself, these are the promises, this is the actual story. And you're able to sleep in the storm. There's this really interesting uh, verse that, that I think is important. It's in Proverbs uh, 13, 12. And it says that uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when desire comes, it is a tree of life. So, I've heard this a lot. And uh, it's just been a great thing to have on a pillow. And, and I was preparing for this and, 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 and praying into this and studying into this. The scripture just kept coming over and over and over and over and over again. This idea of hope deferred, deferred is the same word as put away. It's the same word as, as kind of like you, you take something and you take it from here and you put it in, like in the garage in a box. And what it's saying is that when you, when you lose hope, when you, when you take hope and you put it away, when you don't have hope, then what happens? It makes your heart sick. Now the Hebrew word for heart is different than, than our word for heart. right? It, it doesn't just mean heart. And it doesn't just mean like lovey-dovey. It, in, the, in the Hebrew mindset, this word for heart is sort of the seat of yourself. It's your emotions, it's your inner dialogue, it's your, uh, they, they connected the heart and thought. And so essentially, it's, it's kind of your inner man that's, that's always running, right? We always have this inner, hopefully it's a monologue, but maybe it's a dialogue, that we're, we're hearing, and, and, and it's playing through our lives, and it's, it's leading us this way, and that way it's kind of this inner seat, right? And, and that's what it's referring to, and it says that without hope, with the absence of hope, when you, when you take off hope, which is the belief of the fulfillment of the promises of God, when you don't have that hope, then what happens is you become sick inside. And again, we do a, a word study on this word sick, and it means sick. But it also means anxious, fearful, deranged. And I think there's a connection here because if you begin to lose hope, if you don't have hope, if hope and the belief in the promises and the fulfillment of those promises aren't active in your life, then what's going to happen is that the inside of you, the, 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 the place that, that your emotions and that your thoughts and that your anxiousness and that your fear rest, what happens is that becomes the raging sea. And you become sick and anxious and depressed and worried and fearful. And those voices are louder now than the voice of the Holy Spirit. And it's the, it's, the, it's the absence of the hope and the promises that will elevate stress, anxiety, worry, fear, depression, grief. And so if you find yourself in a point in your life where it seems like those thoughts and feelings are overwhelming, then it could be that you've misplaced your hope. Because what it goes on to say is that it says, but, so that's the first part of the equation. With no hope, the heart is sick. But when desire comes, it is a tree of life. 
So desire is the same word here that's used for anticipation, expectation, which is the same word here used for hope. Anticipation, expectation of the fulfillment of the Lord's promises, of something, right? It has to be something, and it's the fulfillment of the Lord's promises. Same type of words used back in Luke chapter 2. So when that anticipation of the fulfillment of the Lord's promises comes back, it says, then it is a tree of life. It's a tree of life. Which is also something that Jesus called himself. He's the way, the truth, and the life. When we see that Christ has come, that he came to earth as a baby, that he, he defeated death, hell, and the grave, that he, that he conquered the enemy, that he forgave us once and for all of, a, of our sins, that he rose again victorious. When we have our hope, the desire that leads us to that, we get to combat the waves. We get, we get to, to tell the storm to be peaceful because peace is where we're abiding, because we're in Christ. And understanding that all of our hope in everything is in him because we're in him and he's in us and understanding that he is victorious and that he is now seated at the right hand of the Father, which means somehow we also are and which means somehow that with his victory comes our victory. It's the hope of the fulfillment of that in the midst of this in-between time, between the time that, God, uh, that, that Jesus rose again and ascended to heaven and the time that he comes back and establishes his throne on earth as it is in heaven once and for all, it's in that in-between time we find ourselves that hope is going to be very important. The hope of his return, the hope of the culmination of the kingdom of God. And if you find yourself today in a place where your hope is lacking, where anxiety is winning, depression is winning, where stress is winning, anxiousness, fear, where those places seem to win, then we're invited to a place to hope again. To hope that it won't win. That, that whatever the worst case scenario that's playing over in your brain right now is trumped by a greater promise. And that if we begin to move in the ways of the kingdom of God, then we'll begin to approach problems as really possibilities into a greater promise. It's a kingdom perspective. It's the, expective, it's the perspective that Jesus is inviting us into today. This is why hope is so valuable. It's, it's such a tool that we can use as believers to, to reorient ourselves around the truth of hope, around the fulfillment of the promises. His promises are greater than your circumstances. Period. And it's our hope in that that will fuel us to the other side of the storm. The storms will come, and it'll test the faith in your promise. But it's an opportunity to give the peace that you have to those storms. So I feel like there's potentially two camps today because we're going to have a time of reflection and 
worship and ministry. And, and I feel like there's two camps. I feel like there's, there's one camp that maybe has deferred their hope. That for whatever reason, the, the promises have been diminished because the problems have gotten so large. And it would, it would take a miracle to kind of regain your faith in those promises. And what we'd like to do today is to come around you and pray for that miracle. We'd like to lend you our hope so that you can have some. So that when that desire comes, and we'll ask the Holy Spirit to give you back your hope. The hope that you had when you first started this journey. The hope that initially turned your heart and your life towards Jesus. That hope that maybe you've lost. We're going to pray for you that it comes back, that it returns. It's been a long time for some. But it's here. This is a very hope-filled place. And so we want to pray for you that you can have some hope. So that's one camp. And then there's another camp that I think hasn't ever really experienced hope. That there, there's no hope. And the idea of even having hope and promise and all of that seems very foreign. Because these promises are for those that believe. And so maybe you haven't really believed. Maybe, maybe you haven't bowed your knee to Jesus and, and submitted your life and, and this hope of a promise sounds great but you've never experienced it. You maybe you'd like to experience it. We'd like to pray with you and to walk with you through the journey of what it looks like to actually submit your life to Christ. Because when you do, you get to have the promises. The hope. You see, I think before you submit your life to Christ, there's this echo in your mind of, of an idea of a place that you've never been, of a home that you've never visited but you're homesick for anyway. You know there should be hope in something more, but you've never experienced it. It's like what's on the tip of your tongue. And that's the hope that comes with the promises of the Lord that are yours. He gives them free with the gift of salvation. And so we want to have, have a chance for, for us to pray and to reflect and and if, if you've been in the faith for a while or, or you're, you're just you're part of the family of God, but you, you haven't experienced hope in a long time and your primary thoughts are anxious, stress, anxiety, fear, worry, that's where your thoughts are mostly, then we'd love to pray for you to strengthen your hope. And if you've never experienced the hope of a promise because you didn't even know it was a available, we'd love to pray for you as well. And so we're going we're gonna to invite the Holy Spirit as we, as we worship for just a minute. And then if you do feel like you would like to, to have someone gather with you in prayer and pray for you and offer their peace and offer their hope and, and, and maybe offer a promise, a lowercase promise that the Lord has for you today, then, then we would love for you to come up and then we'll come around you and, and we'll pray for you. So Holy Spirit, we invite you today into the places of despair. Into those hopeless relationships that we have written off, that will never be reconciled, that will never be restored. Into the hopeless financial circumstances that we find ourselves, that it's always going to be this way. Into the hopeless idea that um, 
Yeah, you're just an anxious person. You're just a worrier. And there's no hope that you'll ever change that. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to put your finger on those areas in our lives that we have no hope. And would you begin to whisper the promises of God? It's like there's, um, there's a hopelessness of, of, a, of a family situation of ever being put back together. And I believe the Lord wants to give you a promise. To remind you of a promise that uh, if you have raised them up the way they should go, that we'll never be able to depart. And he will bring in the prodigals. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So we're going to take time in worship. And, um, and if you do feel like you need prayer, please come to the front. We'd love to pray for you. And we'll gather around you. For all upcoming events or more information about the Nashville Vineyard Church, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day.